this episode of the Goo Energy Labs Pinnacle Podcast, we talk with Goo's resident nutritionist slash mad scientist about when to hit the carbs and when to lay off. During lighter training periods or your off season, you may not need as many carbohydrates. And just by cutting back a little bit on some of the the starches um, and the refined carbohydrates, you can decrease your caloric intake. And that way you're not gonna pack on a bunch of pounds when you're kind of relaxing in the off season. We also talk about eating as training, what to eat right before a big effort, coping with cramps, branch chain amino acids, caffeine, speed ascending ultra high altitude volcanoes, and her favorite flavor of goo. Uh, sea salt, chocolate, roctane gel. It's my absolute favorite. It's pretty much the only the only one I use. It tastes like a melted brownie and I'm a salty sweater and that one has the most sodium content of any of our gels. It's 180 milligrams per gel, so. Goo Energy Lab's very own Roxanne Vogel stars in this incredibly practical, nutrition advice-filled episode of The Pinnacle. And it starts right now. Inspiration and information for athletes by athletes. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 3 of the Goo Energy Labs Pinnacle Podcast. I'm Eldon Nelson, also known as Fatty. With me is my friend and co-host, Yuri Hauswald. Yuri, I know we're not far into the year yet, but it is spring, and it's time to start thinking about the season. How is your training and racing going so far? Oh man, thanks for asking, Fatty. No, my season uh, has been going really well. I did. I was just out in Stillwater, Oklahoma with the folks um, from District Bicycles Mm -hmm. and Salsa, uh, particularly Bobby and Christy Wintle, who are the founders of the Land Run 100. Really awesome couple that I met actually in 2013 uh, at the Dirty Kanza. That was the first year of their Land Run um, and my first Dirty Kanza. Anyway, uh, yeah, awesome red dirt race, 106 miles. I built up a single speed to hedge my weather bets because the race has been plagued with gnarly red mud. And, uh, I have hmm. like PTSD when it comes to mud. And so, um, I built up a single speed and lo and behold, it was dry and super fun. Just great <laughs> gathering. Yeah. Great gathering of the gravel tribe. And uh, hung out with Dan Hughes, four-time DK winner, um, flew into Kansas City. Uh, But uh, before that, just been logging, you know, pretty solid 200, 250-mile weeks um, as far as my training goes. My coach, Adam Pulford, has me doing some big rides. So um, I did a nine-hour day. I rode 165 miles to Monterey um, as part of my training, testing some Ortlieb bags that I'm going to use at the DKXL. So... Yeah, things are going well. Dude, we are going to have to upgrade you from quasi-pro to actual pro if you keep riding this much. <laughs> I don't I don't know if we can do that just yet, but I, I appreciate it. Uh, what have you been up to, man? How's your season going? If you're mountain biking, it's been an awesome winter, and that's what I have been doing. I never stopped riding. I have a new mountain bike, and so I'm sort of taking this lemon of a winter and making mountain bike lemonade. I've been Whoa, getting dude. a lot of fun rides. Come on out. Let me show you around. There's a, <laughs> you, you know that there is some amazing single track in this town. I do. I do. I, I loved your, your metaphor there, the lemon and making mountain bike lemonade. That is awesome. 
Uh, and I saw Tell some sexy doing, pictures. Man. Yeah, some sexy pictures of some specialized special bike. You want to talk about that? Oh, I yeah, I just uh, built up uh, matching bikes for my wife and me. <laughs> uh, they are identical in every way except for color. I have uh, an S Works Specialized Epic. Um, you know, which is a full suspension bike. First time I've done that in a while. Uh, we each have uh, Envy 525 wheels as well as Envy cockpits and Shimano XTDI2 uh, drivetrain. And it is so sweet. I, I tell you, mountain bikes have gotten like 10 times better in the last five years. It's incredible. I'm in serious danger of turning this into a geek session here. And we're going to ratchet that back. And talk about what we've got in store for this episode of the Goo Energy Labs Pinnacle Podcast. This is a really good one, Fatty. Um, yep. You know, because the podcast has always been about inspiration and information for athletes. And this episode is going to skew strongly toward the information side, uh, especially the nutrition side of things. Because mm -hmm. we're talking with Roxanne Vogel, um, the sports nutritionist um, at Goo Energy Labs. She's also an accomplished athlete. Um, amazing woman. And uh, so we're going to learn a tremendous amount of really detailed, scientific, uh, nutritional information that will help athletes with, you know, their whole diet, their race nutrition, and then recovery as well. Yep. Really practical stuff. I, I got a question. Does she wear a lab, uh, a lab coat to work? No. <laughs> but she may she may don one from time to time when she podcast. has to well yeah for the podcast she may be wearing <laughs> one for the podcast you'll have to ask her that but she may don one from time to time when she steps into the actual lab or steps back into production all right fantastic so what is the lab at goo energy labs actually like i'm trying to get a picture of it paint me a mental picture of the lab so oompa loompas running around <laughs> all over the place no I'm perfect kidding. i'm sorry yeah totally right uh, it is, it's, you know what, it's not as like, uh, glamorous maybe and as big as you might imagine it being, um, from, you know, maybe movie depictions or something like that. But it's, you know, it's probably like a, a, a 12 by 20 room that has a door, only one set of doors going in and it is where there's, you know, like an oven and just some different scientific type cooking things and Beakers, refrigerators. and and yeah, and I think they're back there, and um, also I don't know, just all sorts of different, you know, like beakers and things like that. And there's, you know, Brandon who works back there in his lab coat. He may come to work in a lab coat. All right, and uh, you know they have to wear protective glasses and stuff like that. But they're back there, you know, playing around with ingredients, testing stuff. Um, so yeah, it truly is. You know, it's it's like a food lab. It's an actual it's lab. It's an actual lab where, you know, nutrition magic happens. I'm ready to dig into it. Oh, me too. Me too. Uh, right. But here's the thing, Fatty. Roxanne is not just a lab rat. She is a serious athlete. Uh, I actually call her the volcano slayer because <laughs> she, she and Magda, our head of R&D, went through a rigorous, rigorous training program. I mean, super gnarly training program, step-ups for weeks uh, to prepare themselves to climb the highest volcano um, down in Sa uh, South America. 
and do it in half the time that it usually takes uh, most mountaineers to acclimate and summit, which is about 10 or 11 days. And they did it in five days, which is amazing. Uh, so we'll let her tell us more about that. But uh, I know she and Magda worked super hard to prepare themselves and they did a wonderful job. Yeah, let's be sure to ask her about that. And one last thing before we get into this interview, got to tell our listeners, Roxanne's audio is just a little bit sketchy. We're talking with her over Skype and her connection is no bueno. So you may miss a few words here and there during the conversation, but don't adjust your set. You will be able to catch 99.95% of what we're talking about. Roxanne, welcome to the podcast. It is so great to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be on the show. We're excited to have you here. And I want you to start off by telling us a little bit about the day in your life. Because I picture you in a white lab coat with uh, electrodes attached to everyone else at Goo Energy Labs maybe running them through mazes to test how fast they are, taking blood draws. Is, 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 do I pretty much have it? Is that, is that what it is? It, it maybe a, a lot of a lot of energy <laughs> sparks and things like that going on. Uh, you know, the funny thing is, it, that sounds a little crazy, but that's not too far from the truth. So, oh, awesome. you know, just today I was running some tests on athletes. We have this really cool portable technology where we can basically strap a, a backpack-sized um, machine on you and measure, you know, how much energy you're expending during whatever it is you're doing. So running up a hill or, you know, doing sprints, things like that. But yes, that is typically what I will spend my time doing. Uh, drawing blood is kind of part and parcel of that. So taking little blood samples to get people's lactate levels. Um, but yeah, basically using science to, to help inform nutrition prescriptions for athletes is, is what I do here. In addition to, you know, traveling around and giving talks and, um, just working to educate people about sports nutrition in general. So, um, one, I'm a scientist here, but two, I'm also kind of in charge of spreading the good word and, and getting the message out about, um, sports nutrition and just nutrition over. Speaking of sports, you know, prescription nutrition, sort of, I'm wondering if you could talk about the, the foundation of an athlete's or anybody's day, because one of the most common questions I get out in the field, Roxanne is, you know, what, and when should I eat breakfast before an event? So I wonder if you could just tell us your thoughts on that. Yeah, definitely. Um, always a huge question. People want to know how they should start the day off, right? But, you know, it, it's really going to depend on kind of what you're doing immediately after, right? So if you're going to work out and you're heading out the door and you have 20 minutes to kind of put something down, that's going to be a lot different than if you are working out till later in the day, you're just rolling into work and, you know, you have time to sit and digest. Um, but that being said, for people who may be going to get in a workout immediately first thing in the morning, I usually recommend trying to get, if you're doing a meal, you want to try and get it, you know, three hours or so before you start your workout, if you can't to digest. Um, and that would be like your, your oats, your overnight oats. So, you know, still cut oats, some yogurt or milk, berries, nuts, put in the fridge overnight, ready to go for breakfast. Um, if you don't have the luxury of that kind of time, it might be something more simple. Um, a lot of times I'll just even recommend something like a stroop waffle, which is something that, you know, we make here, but it's really easy to digest carbohydrates, super tasty. You can have it with a morning cup of coffee and it's, you know, 150 calories. If you need more, you can have a couple of them. 
maybe put a little nut butter on there. Um, so yeah, it really just depends on what your time frame looks like. So if you have more time, you can have a little bit bigger of a breakfast. Um, but if you have less time, something more simple and easy to digest and carbohydrate rich would be kind of the key recommendation. So at Goo, we have the mantra, you know, eating is training. I'm wondering your thoughts on how that pertains to, you know, whole diet, sort of like you just spoke about, uh, and then sports nutrition in general. Um, you know, that's one of the other questions I tend to get out there is what do we mean when we're talking about what is eating is training? Yeah, absolutely. That's a, it's a great question. I mean, and it's a big one. I know. Yeah. So the whole concept of eating is training is kind of our philosophy on how you should go about your whole day to day, fueling plan. So not just what you're eating immediately before, during, or after activity or, or after, you know, before, during, after a race, but what you're eating throughout the day consistently day in, day out and week to week and month to month. And really it's going to be about tailoring your nutrition intake to meet the demands of your training cycle. So, you know, if you're entering a really hard training block, um, you may need to have more calories, you may need to have more carbohydrates in your diet, um, and you may need to focus on getting, you know, certain key micronutrients that get depleted by heavy exercise. So things like iron and, and zinc and, and all these things that you tend to sweat out when you're working excessively hard, um, you know, focusing on those things during heavy training periods, during lighter training periods or your off season, you may not need as many carbohydrates. And just by cutting back a little bit on some of the, the starches um, and the refined carbohydrates, you can decrease your caloric intake. And that way you're not going to pack on a bunch of pounds when you're kind of relaxing in the off season. So to kind of put it most simply, it's, it's about planned and purposeful eating. Um, it's just like when you periodize your training, it's periodizing your nutrition basically to match that kind of training load and then optimize both performance and recovery from exercise. Wow. Did you get all that, Eldon? <laughs> I'm taking notes as fast as I can. To use a horrible pun, that was like a mouthful. That was awesome. <laughs> that was horrible. I know. A, a horrible pun, but great information. Yeah. Ro Roxanne, I was hoping I could ask a couple questions that I have as a sort of regular Joe kind of racer who does a lot of endurance stuff. And I think I have a lot of the same problems that a lot of our listeners would. Um, and I mean, I'll just, I'll put out both of them and I, maybe they're tied together. Cramps and other GI issues. If there's going to be something that messes up my race or a long training day, it's going to be one of those two things. What do you tell people when they ask you about those? Yeah. Another, you know, great question that is so common for athletes and just people in general who are recreational or whatnot, but cramping is huge. Um, and it can, you know, pertain to muscle cramping or, you know, digestive issues, those kinds of cramps as well. Um, and there's a few kind of ways that I go about explaining this. So for cramping, it's usually one of two things, right? So it's either some kind of electrolyte or hydration issue or it could be a neuromuscular fatigue issue. And we can do something really about the, the former and the latter is more gonna be kind of like a training thing that somebody needs to take care of. But as far as if it's to do with electrolyte imbalance or um, a hydration issue, really you're gonna to wanna to start by trying something that's gonna supply electrolytes, primarily sodium, because that's the one you lose mostly through sweat. And some people sweat more saltily than others. Um, 
and you can usually tell because these people will have, you know, like the, the salty sweat rings on their clothes or on their hat. Um, those oh, are the people. Me. Yeah. <laughs> those are the people who are losing a ton of salt when they sweat. I will be out there on my bike and deer will run up and start licking me. They mistake me for a salt <laughs> lick. It's because you're moving so slow. Dude, that hurts. That hurts. Okay, so 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 that's the electrolyte part. How about the how about you know GI? Yeah, for GI issues, um, that's really gonna come down to usually it's gonna be nutrition or it could even be Things like dehydration could be an issue. Um, but for nutrition, it's like you want to keep it super simple when you're exercising, like especially if you're exercising intensely or you're racing. Um, so it's really difficult for the body to absorb nutrients when it's moving, like the blood flow is going to your muscles, it's going away from your stomach, um, away from your GI tract. So that's not really the optimal time to be trying to force anything down that's going to require some serious digestion. So anything that's heavy in protein, anything heavy in fat or fiber is really going to slow down the whole process and make it more difficult to digest. And when that happens, you know, that's when you start to get some GI issues. So cramping, nausea, whatnot. Um, so really you want to keep it as simple as possible when you're exercising um, carbohydrates are really pretty efficient and easy to absorb and digest. Um, but you also want to keep in mind that if you have too many simple sugars, so if it's just purely glucose or purely, uh, you know, sucrose, which is basically table sugar, cane sugar, um, that can cause issues too. So if it's too many simple sugars, you get a bunch of water pulled into the stomach and the small intestine, and then you start to feel really bad. So not only does it need to be carbohydrate primarily and easy to digest, but it should also be even better than that is a blend of carbohydrates that are, you know, not all simple sugars. Um, and so a lot of sports nutrition products will use blends of carbohydrates. And that's typically what we do here at Goo as well for that very reason, because it'll help alleviate the risk of GI issues. Um, but in addition to that, you know, there's also dehydration can cause GI issues. So making sure that you're drinking enough. So drinking, you know, every 15 to 20 minutes, trying to get about a, a half a liter to a liter of fluid down every hour, depending on conditions, how much you're sweating, how hot it is. Um, dehydration really can cause some GI issues just in and of itself, even independent of what calories you're taking in. So Roxanne, just for a basic starting plan for how much to drink, how much to eat, what supplements to take, what would you recommend for an endurance uh, day, either racing or training? Yeah. So, you know, everyone's going to be a little bit different and you have to kind of figure out what works best for you. But as a general starting point for most people, I tend to recommend somewhere in the range of 150 to 300 calories per hour. And that's going to mostly be from carbohydrate, right? So if you think about it in terms of grams of carbohydrate per hour, that would be somewhere in the range of about 30 to 60 for most people. But if you can, you know, train your gut to absorb carbohydrate, and that's something we try to do also, you can get up to about 90 grams of carbohydrate per hour. But keep in mind, that's going to be for people who are out there for more than a few hours at a time. So this is your long endurance type stuff where you really need to be replenishing as many calories as you can. Right. Um, 
And then as far as fluid intake, again, you want to focus on somewhere in the range of about a half a liter to a liter per hour, depending on individual sweat rate, uh, environmental conditions, how hot it is, how humid it is. Um, but yeah, generally in that range of about a half a liter to a liter per hour. And with, with electrolytes, if you're thinking about sodium, usually people are going to end up somewhere in the realm of about 300 to 700 milligrams per hour. And again, if they're a really salty sweater, it could be more than that. Some people sweat just so much salt out. So you might even need more than 700 milligrams per hour. But that's a good kind of general starting point for people to begin to figure out what works for them. Yeah, and I think you you pointed it out, and I think it's worth probably underscoring that the figuring it out part means that you don't start figuring this out on race day. This is something that you train with and experiment with during lots and lots and lots of training days out there so that on race day, you already know what you, uh, you know, what you tolerate. Well, I, I am curious, Yuri, I mean, you are an endurance animal. Uh, how close does this, uh, does what Roxanne described here fit to uh, your uh, nutrition plan on training and racing days? Uh, it completely resonates uh, with the exception of the conversion to leaders, uh, I can't do that in my head. I was an English major, so, uh, <laughs> but I'm serious. Uh, I, but I usually shoot for, you know, 200 to 300. So that was within Roxanne's range as far as calories go in a mm -hmm. mix of Roctane drink, uh, gel, uh, and our chewable form. Um, mm -hmm. I usually do something in the, a combination of, of those three, um, and mix it up. Uh, and then, you know, switch it up later in the day, hour five or six, I'll, I'll add in some different saltier foods. Uh, so to my, to my, um, menu. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. that totally resonates what she said. Yeah. Two bottles per hour is ideal. Wow. Uh, you, you go through a lot more fluid than I do. I'm, I'm way closer to, I would say probably, um, a bottle every 90 minutes. So yeah, that, yeah. Two bottles is ideal, but I'm yeah. not saying I do that all the time, but I'm a heavy sweater. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, and just I mean, for what it's worth and I'm not as fast as either of you, but you know, I, I do have some experience in endurance and I have found that, uh, I set my, uh, the, by setting the chime on my GPS, uh, to half an hour that uh, when it goes off, that means it's time for a Roctane, uh, a Roctane uh, gel. Yeah. And that's automatically 200 uh, calories per hour, like clockwork. And then I supplement with a uh, Roctane uh, drink and I can go for uh, dozens of hours without yeah. any GI issues. So it's yeah. the consistency that I uh, have self-imposed, you know, through mechanical means has really yeah. worked with me. Definitely. Um, and I, I want to pivot off that if, yeah, if you'll let it. me up to, to BCAAs because branched chain amino acids are the cornerstone of our Roctane product line. So Roxanne, can you talk a little bit about why we went with um, the group of branched chain amino acids that we did and, and what they do for athletes? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the branched chain amino acids, there are three of them, leucine, isoleucine, and valine. And like you said, they're essential amino acids, which means you can't produce them on your own. You have to get them either through diet or supplementation. But the biggest thing 
you know, that they're important for is what we call muscle protein synthesis, which is the process whereby you can rebuild, repair, um, and recover your muscles after you've basically broken them down. So every time you work out, especially if you're doing a really long, prolonged effort or really high intensity uh, effort, you're going to be breaking tissue to some extent. And so during the recovery period, we want to rebuild what's been lost and then some so that we can make adaptations. Um, branch chain amino acids will help you do that because the one of the branch amino acids in particular, which is leucine, is really responsible for kickstarting that whole process of rebuilding. And so if you can provide that stimulus during exercise, one, you're going to get a jump on your recovery, but two, you're also going to help um, protect your muscles from breakdown during exercise. So that's pretty cool too. It's like a muscle insurance policy is how I like to explain it to people. And I mean, they also help with mental acuity, true? Yeah, there is definitely some research out there to suggest that branched chain amino acids can help with um, delaying the onset of central fatigue, so brain fatigue. Um, and the reason behind that is they compete with another amino acid tryptophan for entry across the blood brain barrier and tryptophan if you think of you know like thanksgiving time eat all that turkey and you get really tired like they blame it on the tryptophan right yeah so it's amino acid it gets converted to serotonin um, which gives you that whole sleepy kind of sluggish feeling and so if you can compete with entry uh, against tryptophan with the branched chain amino acids the theory goes that you know, you can delay that fatigue onset. So there is definitely some research to suggest that. Absolutely. Are you saying I should stop eating turkey legs during endurance races? <laughs> oh my gosh. I just saw a kid who was eating a chicken wing on the trail. He was out mountain biking. I was just like, wow, that's some sports nutrition I have never seen. But that portable. <laughs> it's super portable. portable. Uh -huh. Yeah, primal at the same time. He's totally paleo. <laughs> yeah, total, total. <laughs> I'm curious about there. There is, of course, a lot of interest in burning fats as opposed to burning carbs all the time, and I'm interested in doing that. I try to keep my carb intake pretty low during uh, during the normal workday and sort of save the carbs for big efforts. I am interested in being a better butter burner, though. How do I do that? Yeah, that's definitely a big area of interest right now in sports nutrition, um, how to basically tap into your fat stores mm -hmm. so that you don't have to burn so much carbohydrate. You don't have to take in so much carbohydrates. Um, and for a lot of people who tend to have GI issues, that's huge because, you know, if you're le putting less in, there's less risk of having a problem. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Trying to get your body to tap into his own fat stores. There's a few ways to go about it and you can do a nutrition intervention, you can do a training intervention, or you can do a combined intervention, um, which I think is kind of the best approach. But as far as the nutrition end of it, um, kind of what you're doing already is, you know, limiting some of the processed carbohydrates throughout, throughout most of the day, mm -hmm. and then really only targeting carbohydrates when you need them the most, which is right before, during, or after a hard effort. Um, so incorporating more protein and fat and fiber throughout most of your day and cutting back on some of the starches and refined grains and sugars, 
um, for most of the day, focus on vegetables, focus on lean proteins and healthy fats, and then just save the carbs for, you know, right, like I said, before, during or after activity. Um, and that will kind of shift your metabolism towards burning more fat throughout the day because you're not going to get these big spikes in glucose and insulin that'll basically shut off the fat burning potential for your body. So by keeping your glucose levels stable, by keeping your insulin levels stable, you can help promote a fat burning environment. So exactly what you're doing, fatty. <laughs> they don't call me fatty for, for nothing. <laughs> you got to figure it out. <laughs> That's right. Well, I'm working on it. So Roxanne, I start each morning with a quad shot espresso. Is that cool? Is that too much caffeine? And is that affecting my endurance riding? Well, okay. So this, the funniest thing is like, that's kind of what I do too, but that's just me. Um, and to be fair, again, everybody has their own tolerance level and whatnot, but, um, caffeine is definitely a very potent ergogenic aid, which is to say that it does help improve performance for a lot of people. Um, and everybody is kind of different at how they tolerate caffeine. So you know, it's, it's hard to say what's going to work for everybody, but what works as far as what they've seen in performance research is generally a level of about three to six milligrams of caffeine per kilogram of body weight. So that might be a lot of numbers to throw at you, but if you're thinking about it in terms of cups of coffee, that's like one or two up to three cups of coffee, you know, before you start your workout, it's a pretty hefty dose. But that's what they found will actually give you a performance boost. Um, but beyond the initial dose, which you want to be a little bit higher so that you can kind of get the most benefit out of it, you can do more of like a trickle feed throughout a workout. So maybe something in the realm of 20 to 50 milligrams of caffeine every every hour, every other hour is is a good way to go so you can kind of keep that going the performance benefits so it helps you tap into fat stores and burn more fat it also obviously gives you a little bit of energy a little bit of mental clarity and focus so all of these things can be you know helped by having caffeine either before or during your your workout and again if you don't tolerate caffeine so well probably not the best idea to try and do a double shot right before a race for the first time if you've never done that before but if you do, you know, practice with it during training and you're you're habituated to caffeine, then by all means, I think caffeine is a great uh, training and racing aid. So what is your favorite caffeinated gel? Oh, gosh, so easy to answer. Uh, sea salt, <laughs> chocolate, roctane gel. It's my absolute favorite. Um, it's pretty much the only the only one I use. It tastes like a melted brownie, and I'm a salty sweater, and that one has the most sodium content of any of our gels. It's 180 milligrams per gel. So I did not know that. That's my favorite too, Roxanne. Ah. Look at that. We learned something new about each other today on the on the show on the Pinnacle Podcast. <laughs> Learning things. It's always yeah. the goal. It is oh. totally. That is my favorite. It's a really good one, Fatty. You should try it more often. I suggest. Oh, I will. I will. Yeah. But, you know, speaking of amazing things, so Roxanne, I'm going to do some bragging. I mean, you have a, you're a specialist in strength conditioning, you're a certified exercise physiologist, and you have a master's degree in sports nutrition. But the thing I think I like about you most is most people don't know you've slayed a volcano. What? This is serious, Fanny. Yeah. You climbed the highest volcano, Ojos de Salado, 
in less than half the time that it takes, you know, traditional climbers to do that. So what usually takes, you know, 10 to 13 days, she and Magda Boulay, our head of R&D, did it in five. So can you talk a little bit about that project? Because I, I saw some of the testing that you guys went through. I saw the training workouts, those crazy step-ups that you guys were doing all the time. Super impressed with your dedication and work ethic. And I will end ranting about you right now, but I'm wondering if you can just tell <laughs> us about that volcano you climbed up. Oh man. Yeah. That was a, uh, an endurance lab project. So part of our, our initiative to help, uh, figure out what makes athletes tick and what helps us to perform better so that we can educate all athletes. But yeah, that was a project we did to test out basically if you can acclimate, uh, to do a rapid ascent by using hypoxia tents and chambers at sea level, which is what we did. We slept in these hypoxia tents for six weeks every night, like talk about killing your social life. Um, <laughs> but yeah, every night we slept in the tents and then at work we have a chamber that we had installed recently. So um, Hypoxico came and installed this chamber and Magda and I would sit there and take meetings. We would take phone calls. We'd just hang out in this chamber. <laughs> And keep in mind, it's not very big. It's like a large closet, but we're standing Broom there. closet. Right. We're standing there in this little, it's got plexiglass doors so people would walk by and just kind of see us standing in there. So it was, you know, it was kind of an ongoing office joke. They'd be like, oh, they're in the chamber again. Like, you can't talk to them. Um, but yeah, so we basically acclimated while we were at sea level. So we simulated high altitude conditions while we were here in the Bay Area. And we did that for six weeks and trained our butts off. Um, so like twice a day workouts, just lots of weight bearing, like pack loaded step ups and hiking uphill and stuff like that. And then we went down to South America. There's this volcano down in Chile, 22,615 feet, pretty high. Um, and again, yeah, most people take a long time to climb it, not because it's technically challenging, but because it's high altitude that if you go faster than that, you really risk becoming sick, getting high altitude mountain sickness or really severely life-threatening conditions like uh, cerebral edema or pulmonary edema. But we wanted to do this as fast as we could. We wanted to see if, if the hypoxia chambers worked like they said they would in brochures. And so that's exactly what we did. And, and we managed to pull it off. Um, you know, we didn't get altitude sickness. We felt pretty good for the most part. And, um, and yeah, it was just a crazy trip. It's like the highest and driest desert in the world. And it's, it's just, it was amazing, but yeah, good trip. Yeah. And if people would like to learn more about her trip, fatty, they can go to our blog at, um, our webpage at gooenergy.com, um, and check out the story and learn more about this amazing uh, journey that they did. I will check it out. Roxanne, you truly are a mad scientist. And if I may say so, quite a badass. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. Yuri, you have got a freaking brainiac for a coworker. Roxanne. Dude, tell me, yeah, tell me something I don't know. Yeah, she is a brainiac who will also kick your ass too. <laughs> so uh, I have much respect for, for Roxanne and uh, it's really awesome to work with her. I'm actually going to get the opportunity to do some specialized nutrition stuff with her as I prepare for the DKXL. Maybe we can talk about that in the future, but it's really nice to have such an amazing uh, resource and uh, role model in the office. When you finish the DKXL, that is for listeners who you know aren't 
familiar with the nerdery of the Dirty Kanza. That's the Dirty Kanza XL, which is basically two laps of the Dirty Kanza. Have I got that right? Basically, yeah, it's 350 miles, self-supported, no oh, well, that stations. Sounds, yeah. That sounds super easy. Yeah, totally. Walk in the park, <laughs> man. <laughs> oh, man. But we got to do a whole episode on that, on how you prep for it, what it was like to do it, afterward, the recovery, everything. I mean, that is, I mean, talk about a case study in nutrition, planning, prep, execution, recovery. That is going to be the whole package. I'm looking forward to doing that one. I promise we can do that one for sure. All right. So cool episode of The Pinnacle coming up sometime in the near future. But you know what? Before we do that one, I think that the next episode we should do for The Pinnacle should be one word, yoga. Namaste to that for sure, Fatty. Uh, Yoga has been a huge part of my routine for the past 15 years Mm -hmm. um, and has, I know, saved me from major injury and allowed me to you know, perform and, and then recover. Um, it's also helped me with my breathing. Uh, so I'm really excited to have, uh, one of my favorite all time yoga instructors on next time to to share some of her knowledge with us. All right. And not, uh, not to mention no small amount of knowledge from other athletes, including you. And the fact is, you know, here at the pinnacle, we love pretty much any kind of endeavor and it seems like learning a little bit about yoga, which is what I'm in in this uh, this episode for, because I don't know much about it. And it's something that I'm interested in and see that there are some benefits to be had that I'm not getting yet. And I'm looking forward to, like other listeners, you know, figuring out how I can fold it into my existing schedule. And we think pretty much any athlete can benefit from it. I'm super stoked for this next episode of The Pinnacle. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and say that this is a wrap for this episode. If you like what we're doing here at The Pinnacle, do us a favor and subscribe, rate us, review us on Apple Podcasts. And most importantly, you guys, tell your friends, spread the word on Twitter, Facebook, and in real life. Uh, Let them know what we're up to here at the Goo Pinnacle Podcast. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell complete strangers. For all the athletes and experts here at Goo Energy Labs, I'm Fatty. And I'm Yuri. Thanks again for listening to the Goo Pinnacle Podcast. (laughs) 